We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. The excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet and download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in a state where play through winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado, passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks, a killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minora lit up in Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standings. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joins us my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight, we're here to break down the New York Giants All-22 defensive film in a dominant 25 to 3 performance for the Giants. Nick, how are you doing tonight? And this is probably the most excited we've been to talk about the defense since last season, is it not? Oh, yeah, man. It was great. It was great. We haven't had much greatness to talk about in terms of this defense that we had such high expectations for, Dan. I mean, we were we went in here thinking this could be a top seven, top possibly with the potential of being a top five unit, and they have played terribly, man. They ranked like bottom 27 before this game in, in most categories, which is Insane to consider because the only real significant injury they have other than rookies is Blake Martinez. And I think Blake Martinez is 
pivotal, crucial part of this defense, but you would still imagine that Patrick Graham and the likes of Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence and James Bradbury and all them safeties, obviously, Jubilee Peppers is a very unfortunate thing we'll get into here in a second, but you would imagine they would have played better than, than they have up until this point. But hey, man, I'm all about this game, man. But got to keep it in perspective, Dan. It was against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, it was against the Panthers, and obviously we can talk all we want about how injured the Panthers were. They have you know, offensive line injuries going on right now. They have a bad quarterback situation, um, but ultimately it doesn't matter. The defense came together and put together an unbelievable performance, gutty, gritty, together like we've talked about. They were on the same page throughout this game. The communication was good, and overall what we saw was a little bit of what we expected to see from this defense in general um, going into this season. So. Let's start with the first drive. There's obviously going to be a lot of individuals to talk about. It was a breakout game for Aziz. We talked about that on the uh, reaction podcast. But in addition to the individuals, I want to talk about just the overall play and the drive-by-drive drive from this defense because it was a little bit different this game. We saw a little bit more. I know you noted in in your notes, and you're right, a little bit more of middle of the field closed, uh, middle field open, I'm sorry, with more cover four, cover six, different kind of zone looks in this one with the Giants defense playing together. And they were able to, for that for that reason, they were able to kind of use these looks. So let's start with the first drive here where the Panthers actually have their best drive of the game, I thought. So what happened on this one? Yeah, the cover four and the middle of the field open type of looks, that was a little bit more earlier in the game, towards the end of the game when it was a little bit more garbage time. And even when it was still competitive, you saw a lot more cover three. I think the the Giants overall, they were in cover three more than they were in, in, in cover four type of looks. But in terms of this, first drive I mean they did run some cover four like we were talking about middle of the field open type of stuff on the back end a lot of tight fronts Panthers tried to establish that rushing identity that Matt Rule kind of talked up all week there were several wide zone rushing plays some nice defensive efforts from Dexter Lawrence on the weak side to kind of just restrict those cutback lanes one time I think about Hubbard I don't remember which exact play it was, he stuck his left foot in the ground and tried hitting a, a huge cutback lane. And then all you see is big 97 just freaking close it, man. We also saw some David Moa uh, snaps on this first drive as well. I thought he did a solid job eating up the A-gap playing with really good leverage. And on this drive, just ultimately they gave up a three points. And it was the only points they gave up all game. I think the defense bent a little bit. And they bent a little bit more but they didn't break. And then throughout the entire game, they hardly bent at all. So, I mean, it was, this was, a, I guess you could say their worst defensive drive, which is kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. They bent, but they didn't break. And ultimately it led to a really fine outcome for this defense, giving up just three points here. Um, obviously the Panthers probably would have asked for more here. I thought we saw a good example on this drive of Dexter Lawrence kind of putting the early touch on what would ultimately be his best game of the season by far and away in this one. Um, just great execution at the end of this drive for the Giants to not break, like you said. What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go 
to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we move on to the second drive. 5.07 left on the first quarter here, and the Giants uh, do an excellent job on this drive of forcing the Panthers into a punt here after just three plays. So talk about some of the things we saw on this drive. I thought the run defense got off to an excellent start on this drive and kind of set the tone. Yeah, the run defense was great all game, man. And the Giants made the Panthers offense. They just made them work all game. I felt like on this specific drive, Joe Brady missed an opportunity to work the play action attack. Like we said, man, Matt Rule talked about the identity, talked about wanting to run the football, and they didn't really use the play action attack at all. And it was kind of just something that I felt like they could have probably gained an advantage on the Giants linebackers because the Giants linebackers were attacking gaps really aggressively, similar to what the Panthers were doing. So I think that was a missed opportunity for Joe Brady and the Carolina Panthers. And on this drive, Giants spent a little bit more time in middle of the field open, cover four, six type of looks. And I love the pass rushing move that Ojolari put on Moten on the third and nine incompletion on that play, man. I mean, I, I've just, uh, Aziz Ojolari, there's not enough praise that we can kind of give to him, to be honest, because he's just been very, very good so far this season. Yeah, Ojolari's had a lot of sacks this year, but this was kind of the game where I felt like you put it all together from a sacks and pressures and hits standpoint, and you really looked like that difference maker. And this was the play that really stood out the most to me because you can talk all you want about the injuries on the Panthers offensive line, all you want about where their offensive line is at overall. It's obviously not one of the better offensive lines right now from a performance standpoint, but Moden's still one of the better tackles in the NFL. He was Dave Gettleman's best pick really ever at offensive tackle. I know he hit on Thomas, we all think, but Thomas was the fourth overall pick. He found Moten. Uh, on day two. So he's still a great player. And this was a great, great rep to have when you have that kind of rep against the player this strong, it's a really good sign moving forward and for the giants in general. Um, and then obviously for Aziz Ojolari. So play the drive from Ojolari, in my opinion, his best play of the game. 
Yeah, so let's break the play down a little bit. So this is a third and nine. It's an incomplete pass to Robbie Anderson because Ojolari gets into Sam Darnold and kind of hits his arm as he releases the ball. Ojolari is in a wide nine stance, so he's very wide from 72, Taylor Moten. And then Ian Thomas is split uh, a little bit off the line of scrimmage in a two-point stance. He doesn't influence Ojolari at all. So Ojolari gets a free release up the pass rushing arm into the outside shoulder of Taylor Moten and he gets there and he plants that inside foot really hard into the ground and then uses his inside arm to further influence Taylor Moten up the arc. So at this point, Moten's entire momentum is going up the arc and his hips are oriented behind Sam Darnold. So basically, Aziz Ojolari just uses great athletic ability to change direction, change his course, and then use his hands to kind of just create separation on Moten and go back inside, which is a difficult move to do. You really need to be quick. You really need to use timing. You really, Your feet and your hands really need to be synchronized and used kind of in unison here, and he executes it very well to get this pressure and hit on Sam Darnold. Man, it was once very impressive rep. Yeah, really good rep from Ojolari there. And basically defines this drive. Like it leads to another punt from Carolina here. Or I'm sorry, the first punt of the game from Carolina here. Then the next drive, Carolina starts on their own two. This is the safety. Talk about the little stunt, the, the game that uh, Leonard Williams and Lorenzo Carter played to kind of force this safety. And just really just, this was the moment where the defense kind of showed like this could be our game. We could play like we played in 2020. And this is why going for it's good, right, Dan? Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, I love this little, it's a simple tackle and stunt. You have Leonard Williams as a three technique, and then you have Lorenzo Carter kind of as a, as a seven technique over the tight end, but the tight end is going out into a flat. So basically he is just outside the sh outside shoulder of the tackle. And basically Leonard Williams just penetrates the B cap, occupies both the tackle and guard. Lorenzo Carter goes right in through the A gap, which is where Royce Freeman is standing, waiting for Lorenzo Carter. And 73 sees Lorenzo Carter coming. 73 is the guard. And he's like, oh crap, I got to help out my running back. So he goes to get Carter. And that creates a one-on-one -on -one matchup between Brady Christensen and Leonard Williams. And Brady Christensen doesn't handle Leonard Williams all that well because Williams has great leverage here, really extends his arms. First, he gets into the face of Christensen and then bench presses Christensen off. And then Williams just kind of sheds him and gets right into the pocket to nail Sam Darnold as he just throws the ball into the ground for an intentional grounding there. So it was a it was a simple stunt, but it was well executed because of the timing and the fact that Christensen struggled to handle Leonard Williams because Williams is a beast when he's playing at this high level. Yep, he is. He had a great game, Leonard Williams, obviously, uh, for the Giants. So then we move on to the next drive. This is back-to-back -back three play drives from the Panthers. That's to show you just kind of the level the defense was at. And on their fourth drive here, it's another three and out for the Panthers. Excellent execution by the Giants on this drive and another really strong drive. Anything stood out to you on this one? Yeah, man. We saw Joe Brady run the mesh sit wheel concept, the Pat Shermer special, as I call it, or <laughs> as a lot of people also see it, it's uh, found commonly on Madden. And if you play a lot of man coverage in Madden, people will run this against you. It's a great man beater. Receivers can sit if they are in zone coverage. So basically it's just a mesh concept so you have two receivers running mesh two drags with a deep otb route over the top of the mesh point and then a backside wheel with either a deep fly which is a nine route or a deep post to the front side of the play and on this 
third down, Logan Ryan was just all over the play, and he gets to the catch point, knocks the ball away, forces a punt. Just seemed like, man, just in general, this defense was all over Carolina, and I get it, it's Carolina, but they seemed a lot more confident after going over the All-22. I didn't see a lot of glaring mistakes that the defense made that Sam Darnold failed to capitalize on, so that was definitely another encouraging sign I wanted to take away and kind of uh, wanted to get your opinion on it as well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. You nailed it there. Like, it seems like there wasn't much <laughs> that Darnold missed. There wasn't really any. It's it's so odd because it's like we went over all these other previous games. We just went over a game with the Rams where it felt like McVay was getting players open easy. Like, just concepts that were just getting players, you know, having his receivers run free. And in this one, you just didn't see that as often. And you just didn't see that almost at all on the film, especially from that sideline angle. Just a really good job by the Giants to stay in sync on defense and confidence, confident play from all of them. I mean, we'll talk about some of the unheralded players. I have a lot. One of them is in the secondary that hasn't gotten an ounce of credit this week, and I thought played an excellent game on film, but we'll talk about that a little later. But finally, we move on to the next drive, 5-3 Giants at this point, and the Panthers go on the move a little bit. They go on a nine-play, 52-yard drive, but really it's the penalty, the holding call, which was an obvious hold and should have been called. It's not like it's a bad call or anything. On Taylor Moden, that led to the second and 24 interception from Darnold. So what stood out on this drive for you? Yeah, man, like you said, bro, it felt like Carolina Joe Brady started taking a page out of Jason Garrett's playbook because they were using some rollouts and getting some things going on the ground. Darnold's best throw, in my opinion, in the game was that glance route to Moore where Raglan took away the first throwing window and then Darnold was patient and he waited for Moore to kind of extend his route, get into another throwing window. He crossed behind Raglan and then the patience of Darnold allowed DJ Moore to catch that football. I thought that was a really nice play from Darnold who was just truly abysmal in this game that guy's mechanics are just terrible anytime anybody is getting into the pocket around him and uh, there was also an rpo bubble to kirk kirkwood on this drive and i felt like in the entire game damn there were, I think, two or three bubble passes that Joe Brady called, and it might have been a check at the line of scrimmage from Sam Darnold because the Giants, they were defending the run, and there were times where there would be two receivers to either the field or the boundary with a deep safety and then a cornerback, and that's what do we always say? Football's a game of numbers. Football's a game of space. So the Giants were incredibly comfortable allowing allowing those bubble passes. And how many times did Robbie Anderson kind of catch the pass, turn around, and then quickly that safety is right in his face to make a tackle for like you know a three or four-yard gain? I mean – it was, uh, it was great tackling. It was great confidence in those secondary pieces that Patrick Graham had for those secondary pieces because he was allowing the Carolina Panthers to have space. He was allowing them, and he was allowing Sam Darnold to check to that bubble screen, and he was confident that the Giants were going to be able to rally and make that tackle. I think that vote of confidence is good from your defensive coordinator. Yep, a couple good plays here from some unheralded guys too. Quincy Roche, I thought, made a nice play on one of these ones. Looking for it right now in my notes, but come back to that one. Um Good play overall on the first and 10 when they got into the Giants 11-yard line. They stopped Chubba Hubbard for a negative four-yard gain. Or I'm sorry, four-yard loss. Aziz Ojolari was in on that play. I thought that one stood out to me. Um, and then finally, interception here. Um, or I guess the holding call first. That was a really good pass rush there first. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to break that one down before the interception. I believe Dexter Lawrence that broke through the, the line of scrimmage, yep. right? And he was just held like crazy on that play. Yeah, yeah. He was going to get a sack if not for the hold. Yeah, I think Dexter Lawrence had two plays that were like that in this game. It was just 
getting to the half man, ripping through one side and forcing that guard to hold him. And Dexter Lawrence has this in his capability. And I think that's why we've been so critical of him so far this season. It's because we know his potential. We know the unique skill set of a 340-pound man who could move like that. And also, man, the sack that he ended up having, if, if you see, man, he, he kind of runs around the edge and then he quickly bends in a short area man to, to kind of get the foot of pj walker to get that sack that's an athletic play it doesn't look all that athletic but for someone of that size to quickly stop like that bend and get enough of a professional athlete to tackle him behind the line of scrimmage that was a really nice play as well but you want me to break down this interception as well because this was a great play from from bradbury yeah great play from bradbury also to me we can break it down from the Giants standpoint but i have no clue what sam donald's doing here so maybe you can give me a better idea of that yeah, so Sam Donald sees this is a sale type of concept. You have three a three-level route concept. You have the tight end running into the flat, and then you have the backside tight end running a deep seven route, so a corner route. Then you have DJ Moore clearing out. So Sam Donald on this play, he's trying to force it. This isn't a smart decision. It's a two-high defense uh, pre-snap that kind of transitions to a one-high post-snap. But you have James Bradbury in that area in zone watching you, and he doesn't anticipate that. But he thinks he can hit Ian Thomas, who's not a great receiver, in stride here. But what he doesn't account for is James Bradbury reading him the whole time. So the the design of the play is for DJ Moore to clear James Bradbury out and get him to keep running. But if you watch Bradbury, he has his eyes on Darnold this entire time. He's on DJ Moore, on DJ Moore. And once he sees Darnold's eyes go to Ian Thomas on that seven route, he just lets DJ Moore run into the end zone, breaks it off, and then he just goes right to where the ball is. The throw is terrible. It was a bad decision because there were a lot of giants in the area. But Sam Darnold did not anticipate James Bradbury to be there. He thought he'd be cleared out by the route of DJ Moore. Yep, fair enough. Either way, though, really ill-advised throw. Yeah. Giants come away here with an interception. We move on. Giants punt uh, on their next possession. And the, the Panthers have one more chance here at the end of the half. Not too much going on here from a time standpoint anyway, but uh, Giants do force another three in and out here. So anything here that stood out to you? Yeah, I just love the play by Xavier McKinney. I thought Xavier McKinney yeah. had a better game, man. You know, getting to the catch point here, forcing much a better game. Up on Keith Kirk, what I thought his angles were better. I thought his anticipation was better. And one thing you got to say, man, when he is in that single high role, you've been calling it, dude. He, his movement, man, and, and the way he can kind of burst and utilize the right angle when he's on, it, it's it's exceptional. The, the issue that I've had with Xavier McKinney throughout the season has been processing, which isn't something that I feel like I I had reservations about when the Giants selected him in the second round. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think you absolutely nailed it. His issue this year has been processing, and that's just not something we expected to be his issue going into this year. Yeah, but this was a great play, man. This was a great play on uh, on Kirkwood. And for once, Stan, the Giants do not allow points on a final drive, which was great to see. Yeah, exactly. Good point. This Is, is this the first game all season the Giants didn't allow points on that final drive? It is, which is insane. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Truly unbelievable. We head into the second half. Giants obviously have their first three and out. And the Giants force another uh, short drive. The Panthers five play 13 yards, able to get one first down here when uh, Darnold finds DJ Moore. But then this leads, uh, this ends with the, you know, the split sack between Leonard Williams and Zizo Jolari. Great play on third and two by the Giants defense. What stood out to you on this drive before breaking down that sack or just break down that sack if you want to? I'm pretty sure this was an RPO, to be honest. And yeah. Have Sam Darnold reading Logan Ryan here, and I'm not exactly sure what Sam Darnold was seeing because it looked like Chuba Hubbard or Chuba Hubbard, I should say, had some space there. And Sam Darnold takes the ball, tucks it, and 
you have Logan Ryan all over DJ Moore in terms of being inside of DJ Moore's route. So DJ Moore is just running like a quick snag route. I mean, he has Adore Jackson outside leverage. So it's a reduced set inside of the numbers with the, uh, to the boundary side. So there's not a lot of room there. So he's reading Logan Ryan who doesn't bite forward towards Chubba Hubbard at all. He just sits in the throwing window and I'm not really hundred percent certain what the heck Sam Darnold was seeing here. And again, Sam Darnold, man, this was a, a terrible game from Darnold. We said that uh, the defense didn't, really have a lot of voids in coverage that Sam Darnold could have took an advantage of, but that's not to say Sam Darnold had a good game. He was terrible in this game. But as for the sack, man, you had Leonard Williams, you had a Brady Christensen trying to block down because, you know, he thought or anticipated it was going to be a running play. And he doesn't get enough of Leonard Williams who recognizes that this is going to be a pass, gets into the backfield, hits Sam Darnold. Darnold kind of shrugs him off a little bit. And then Ojolari comes from the other side to just kind of finish the sack off. It's just, I think this was a play that's a microcosm of Sam Darnold as a Carolina Panther, unfortunately. Yeah, at least in recent games, he started off okay and he's really tailed off. I mean, the next drive is a similar scenario. Like the Panthers are in... Third and really manageable. It's a third and two. This is their second drive in a row with a third and two, and they can't convert it because Darnold can't find a solution on third and two here. So anything that stood out to you on this drive? It's just more bad mechanics from Sam Darnold. If you just watch the way he throws the football, even on the third and two, man, like his feet aren't strongly planted at all. He's just kind of using his arm to flick it. And I get that it's not a uh, far pass. This is just a tight end kind of chip and then release into the middle of the field. And Sam Darnold's trying to squeeze it in between a Dory Jackson and Tay Crowder here, but watch Sam Darnold's mechanics, man. His footwork is all weird. And like the way he throws his football and opens his hips and then releases the ball. It's just, it's not conducive to having great accuracy. And that's why the ball just kind of ended up dying here. It just seems like he's kind of flowing away and falling away. I felt like Dexter Lawrence had solid pressure on it, but this isn't necessarily something you see consistently with actual NFL starters. And that's not great for Sam Donald. But other than that, the Giants defense did well against the run here. And they were kind of all over the place in terms of being on top of their coverage assignments, man. I felt like the Giants were in cover four a solid amount of the time. And when they were in cover three as well, and those two coverage, those two coverages allow a lot to the flat. So throughout the rest of this game, I felt like the Giants were just like, okay, we'll give up these little three, four, five yard passes to the flat. And we're going to rally and tackle. And they did that. So I felt like the Giants were just in control this entire time. We talked about Jason Garrett out skiing Phil Snow. Well, Patrick Graham did a number on Joe Brady as well, to the point where Joe Brady was the talk of possibly being an NFL head coach at what the age of 37 or 38 or whatever the heck he is. He's very, very young. But this this has been terrible ever since we, ever since Christian McCaffrey basically got injured. It's been really, really bad. And I think part of the problem is what you said uh, originally here. Sam Darnold is too far into his career right now to be having these issues. And it's something we take for granted with Daniel Jones. Like part of what makes Daniel Jones so good is that his upper body mechanics are so sound. Like, yeah, the footwork isn't always there. He's improved on that, but not fully. Like the footwork isn't always there, but his upper body mechanics are so sound that it helps his ball placement, helps his accuracy. Darnold's the opposite. This is somebody who's needed to prove his up, his needed to improve his mechanics for a long time now and just simply hasn't. And, it's upper body stuff, like you said, with the throwing motion. It's also the footwork that leads to this type of, you know, these types of plays. Um, and you're seeing inaccurate passes that shouldn't be inaccurate, too consistent. It's hard to be a good quarterback uh, with that scenario. And so, like you said, good for the Giants uh, here to, to you know, to, to not be in that situation, I guess, is, is all I'd say to that. So then the Giants score a touchdown, and now it's kind of time to press for the Panthers. Um and so they start the next drive from their own 19 down 12-3, and, and Darnold misses an incomplete shot pretty deep to Moore. 
uh, kind of hits more in a one yarder, and then he gets the and then then Leonard Williams kind of sacks him for zero yards on the third and nine. So anything specific that you took away from this one? Yeah, Leonard Williams gets that cheap sack by just running running Sam Darnold out of bounds, but there was a holding on this play as as well. At least it uh, definitely looked like it. And I think it was called too. Dexter Lawrence just breaking through the line of scrimmage. And again, the coverage of the Giants was spot on, man. When they were in zone match, it seemed like there was just continuity among the defense. There were people on top of routes, underneath routes in terms of DJ Moore. He was clouded, I feel like, uh, adequately in a well manner. And the flats were open, so just throw to the flat, Sam Darnold. We dare you to, and we're going to make our tackles. I just felt like the entire game plan by Patrick Graham was, was sound here. And this was the last time we saw Sam Darnold as he – ran out of bounds here because PJ Walker ended up coming into the game and it was true garbage time by that point. Yeah, it was true garbage time by that point. Uh, anything else from these last few garbage drives with Walker that stood out to you? I felt like Adoree Jackson did a great job reading a scissors concept on that third and 10. I'm not hundred percent sure which drive, but it was a third and 10 scissors concept. So you have a deep post and then a deep flag and they kind of cross each other. And Adoree Jackson is disciplined here and he kind of waits on that flag and doesn't bite on the cross inside and reads the play and jumps it and makes a good play on the football. And I also thought I tweeted this Darnay Holmes, man. I mean, his 29 and a half inch arms did not bail him out on this, but his vertical jump with 317 left in the game, a first and 10 play. He just misses his PBU. He also just missed the pick six as well. So I thought Darnay Holmes had a solid game in the um, snaps that he saw down the stretch of the game. But bro, Darnay Holmes, his vertical jump was insane on that first and 10 with 317 left. And I watched it a couple different times and I was like, is he hitting the ground now? Is he hitting the ground now? Is he hitting the ground now? Oh no, he's not. Like that kid is an incredible athlete, dude. He, he really is. Yeah, it was fun. I watched you tweet. I saw the one. I saw what you tweeted out. Definitely a fun play to watch there. Darnay Holmes seems to make plays when he gets on the field, or at least recently. So let's get into some turlatives and then we'll talk about more the players in more depth there. Because I think ultimately yeah. there's a lot of players to talk about more in depth than we could talk about just going through it play by play, drive by drive. So start with your unhelded player of the game. I have three, so I'm just gonna let you start. And if you hit someone, you hit someone, but you can you can start us off here. Yeah, there's plenty that we can go over. For me, it's Dexter Lawrence because this is the type of things that I feel like Dexter Lawrence could do game in and game out. And this wasn't a great offensive line that he was going up against, but he was seeing Matt Paradis, who's not a terrible center. He was seeing the guards that I feel like he, he took advantage of, but you just felt his presence in this game. So for me, it's Dexter Lawrence ended up getting his first full sack of the season. He had a half sack last week, and then he just ended up drawing two penalties, getting several pressures. I uh, And I think he had a couple of really nice stops as well in the run game. So Dexter Lawrence is the unheralded player for me, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to like everybody you mentioned as well because his defense played really well. The defense played really well, and I want to give a shout-out to Lawrence as well. This is, you know, this is what we need to see more of. We need to see this more consistently. For the Giants to hit on Lawrence as a 17th overall pick, this needs to happen game after game after game, not just against like the Panthers offensive lines of the NFL. It needs to happen game after game because that's, you know, that's how you win. When you when you hit on set top 17 picks and they become star type players, not just like solid contributors against the run who don't help you as much in the passing game. In this game, he helped them a lot in the passing game. That's all they ever need from Dexter Lawrence. So he's a great, he's a great answer here for sure. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna start with Bernardrick McKinney. Comes into the team, not having many reps, not having much of a you know, feel for the defense, for the scheme, for the system, for what they want to do. Plays 11 snaps, but makes his presence felt on those 11 snaps. Like two tackles, two run stops for nothing. He was targeted twice, allowed just one reception. It was for a yard. Uh, I'm sorry, it's for five yards here. Uh, it was either one yard or five. I'm not sure here. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at two different stats here. But 
either way, just on film, you saw him flash number 49. He looks like he's already a better player to me <laughs> than Reggie Ragland. Like Reggie Ragland, we'll talk about a little bit later, but I already am starting to think like, let's get this guy on the field. Let's get him up to speed with the system. Let's get him up to speed with the scheme and let's get him on the field. So he's my first one for unhelded players. My second one is a guy you mentioned earlier. It's a Dory Jackson. He never gets talked about and he's had better games than people realize. This, I think, was one of his best games. I mean, if you just watch, if you can, like, with the All-22 film, you can focus on anything you want, really. Sometimes I just focus on these individual cornerback-receiver matchups. In this game, that's what I did a lot of, because I wanted to kind of see, like, what happened with the Panthers' passing game. Darnold got nothing going. He threw for what here? Like, 100-something yards passing, was it? Darnold, what did he throw for here? I get the exact Sam number. Darnold 111 yards passing, a 4.4 yards per attempt for Sam Darnold. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what happened here? So it's a lot of times I focus on the corners and Jackson looked great in coverage. Like he just looks like he's in phase a lot of the time. I think total according to PFF, he was targeted four times and allowed just three catches for 13 yards. Like that's insane. 13 yards along of five there. Um, and by the way, I did double check and it was only one yard allowed for McKinney on that reception. But Jackson also had two stops in the run game. He's a lot more physical than people realize in the run game, and he's a lot more of an effort player in the run game than people realize. They're paying him a lot, but if he can have games like this one, I think he's worth the price tag. He needs to do this more consistently. It can't just be once in every four games or something like that. Like I think he's had two, maybe three games like this this year, but if he can do it consistently, that's great. He's not getting talked about at all, and Adoree Jackson certainly deserves credit for this game. The last one for me is Quincy Roche, who I think can also potentially be a fit for them in a limited role and not too limited, but a somewhat limited role moving forward. I kind of like him out there in the edge spelling Lorenzo Carter, this game, Carter at 27 snaps, Roche at 23 snaps. And I thought Roche held his own both, you know, anything they asked him to do drop in coverage on a few snaps, play the run, uh, play the pass as well. So he had one really good stop in the run game. So those are my three unheralded guys. Yeah. Roche tallied two stops according to pro football focus, which a stop is basically like, a play that is deemed negative. It doesn't have to be a law tackle for a loss, but a negative play in terms of offense. So something like less than two yards or three yards or what have you. And I agree, man. Quincy Roche, he's, he's interesting. And I think his snap should slowly increase, especially if Lorenzo Carter kind of keeps struggling to get pressure. He ended up having one pressure in this game was actually a solid rep from him, but it just doesn't seem like Lorenzo Carter has that same high end athletic ability and that same juice. And it, you can't really knock him, man. I mean, tearing your Achilles, returning in a year, it's it's difficult to kind of come back and uh, be the same player. But I, I I like him as a as a I like him as a player. But I don't know if the Giants are going to be able to sign him, depending on what he gets on the market. But I do like Roche as well. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like, obviously, there was talk this offseason. Patrick Graham made the statement he's so proud of Carter, what he's shown at um, practice, everything of that nature. But I feel like we've seen more of an example, at least on film of, of him not coming back fully off of that Achilles had the explosion, just not simply not there for Lorenzo Carter. So that's unfortunate. I would guess if the film continues to look as it is, he won't be part of their future, just based a lot on that injury as well. Um, but we'll have to see there. Give me your best individual play from any defensive player. Yeah. It has to be the Jabril pepper sack for me, man. I mean, and it sucks, dude. We got news earlier today. Jabril peppers is out for the year. And I, uh, I just feel terrible for him, man. This is a contract year for him. It's devastating when when players get hurt in contract years because they're about to get their bread, man. They're about to get 
get fed and and, and obviously when, when you're coming off of a serious injury teams aren't going to invest that much in you so I, I feel like crap for Jabril Peppers but that was an incredible sack because Hubbard takes out his legs and he does a basically like a somersault man and just pops right back up chases Sam Darnold down and gets him from behind that was a an amazing individual effort from Jabril Peppers. And the Giants are going to miss him, man. I know he hasn't had the best season, but I think that a lot of that was because Patrick Graham was misusing him a little bit. I still think he's a really, really darn good football player. And I think this giant defense is going to miss him in terms of him being an alley defender coming downhill and what he offers around the box, and especially as a blitzer. Yeah, the Giants don't have anyone to really replace him in that alley defender role. No one is going to be as physical. I think this defense will be considerably less physical without him, and that's going to be a problem. I think they're going to be worse defending the alley. They're not going to have somebody who can come down and blitz like he can left on the roster. So it, it is going to be a big loss. And this was probably the best play. So I don't really have another play that I would say I'd put ahead of it. But I will say this. I thought that um, the Aziz pressure against Taylor Moden was definitely another play that was just freaking awesome to watch. And one of the best plays of the game uh, by anyone on this defense. So just great to see him win individual battles against a player like Taylor Moden, an accomplished tackle who has had put on a lot of good reps on film. So I'll give it to Aziz there, though. I'd probably say Jabril is probably the best sack, if we're, if we're being honest about it. Yeah, yeah. There were six sacks in this game, which isn't something we're used to saying. But uh, that Jabril sack was, was something special. I also want to give a, a head nod to the to the interception by James Bradbury because that was a nice read. And I know the throw still was ill-advised, but that wasn't his assignment. He came off of his assignment to make that play, and that's uh, that's what good cornerbacks do, man. They put themselves in a position and they capitalize on errors from the offense. So good, good crap. Right there, JB. Yep. Okay. Give me a player who stood out to you on film for all the wrong reasons, if there was one, because this was an amazing game. 25 3. Was there anyone? There isn't anybody, but I will say, just from a snap count perspective, we knew that the Giants, and just by watching the film, you knew the Giants wanted to stop the run. They were not going to allow Matt Rule, Chubba Hubbard, and that offense to run the football down their throat. You could tell by the fronts that they employed, you could tell by the aggressiveness of the linebackers. O'Shane Zimenez, man, only played 17 snaps in this game. Raymond Johnson played 11. I mean, Quincy Roche played 23. So it doesn't trend in the right direction when the Giants are putting a focus on stopping the run for O'Shane Zimenez. And I think, and I don't think he looked bad on film or anything like that, but his snaps were diluted there. I think next week they should spike up because you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to stop Pat Mahomes. You want to stop the, you want to get pressure on him. And he was out there for 14 pass rush snaps. Oh, Shane. So I think he he could earn a bigger snap share next week, but it's something to definitely look at kind of moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to put Reggie Raglan for the player who disappointed me on film. Only 27 snaps, but I thought he made some poor plays in the run game. I just feel like overall, I was a little higher on him maybe than I should have been in the offseason. To be completely honest, I don't really like to have him out there at this point. Uh, again, I'm, I'm pounding the table for McKinney. Let's get McKinney on the field. Just get him up to speed. Get him on the field for those snaps. All right, who is the best player on film for you in this game? Aziz Ojolari. He just made several different plays. He was winning in a variety of different ways as a pass rusher. He had two and a half sacks, had a couple of nice plays against the run. Even one play where he was pretty bad against the run. He got washed down the line of scrimmage by one of the tight ends of the Carolina Panthers. He ends up making the tackle. It was six yards down the field, but he quickly shed after losing initially, quickly shed that tight end and darted towards the ball carrier and made the play. So I love the kid's effort. I love his moxie. I love his ability to rush the passer. And I don't think we've seen a pass rusher like him for quite a while for the New York Giants, somebody who has that bend and that speed. When's the last time we had a pass rusher that was like that? Because JPP was a phenomenal pass rusher, but he didn't necessarily have those characteristics. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm not sure 
when they last time they had someone with that kind of combo, especially with the edge bend, like, like Tuck wasn't that kind of player. Strahan wasn't that kind of player. OC wasn't that kind of player either. So he's a unique prospect. He's my best player of the game too, but I'd say it's close between him and Leonard. Leonard had a really yeah. good game in this one. Leonard Williams. I thought I'll give it to Aziz because I thought Leonard Williams matchup was easier. Panthers are more beat up on the interior and Aziz had some snaps against Taylor Moden, who is by far and away their best offensive lineman in this game. Um, so Again, I'll give it to Aziz. Close one here, but very exciting. Aziz Ojolari, very exciting. All right, give me a 1 through 10 grade for the Giants pass rush. Six sacks, man. I'm going to go with an 8 because there could have been even more sacks. So I'm going to go with a strong 8. Could probably be higher, in my opinion. I'll go 7.2, and again, could probably be higher. It could probably be higher. I don't know. Maybe I'm underrating him even at 7-2. Like Aziz, Leonard had a great game. Dexter had a great game. All right, I'm talking myself into it. Let's let's bump this up into 8.2. It deserves it. Like. They deserve it. We haven't graded this pass rush high, I feel like, all year. Great game from the pass rush. How about the run defense? This one gets a really high grade from me. Yeah, 8.5. Love the game plan. Love the, love just the, all the rhetoric around it, man. Matt Rule saying, oh, yeah, we want to run the football. Logan Ryan after the game was like, look, I love Matt Rule. I think he's a great coach. But essentially, you're not coming into our building and establishing the run. We're not going to allow that to happen. And that's exactly what they did. They did not allow it to happen. And that's probably what you should do when you're facing a team whose quarterback is Sam Darnold. Yep. Fair enough. I'm going 8.8, just dominant performance. Maybe gave up a few runs here and there, but so many great stops by the run game in this one against a team that still wants to run the ball. Like coming into this game, I remember, I believe it was Matt. Maybe it was after this game. One either after this game, before the game, Matt Rule said something like, "We're going to have to really recommit to the run game." But either way, going into this, I know they were committed to trying to establish the run. Yeah, the Giants before, made that impossible in this game. That was before they, the game. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was before the game. Yeah, before this game, and like so, that was the plan. It was out there for the taking, and the Giants made that impossible. And that's not easy to do, especially with the injuries to Blake and having these inside backers. Like. It was a great execution game by the Giants run defense. 8.8. 8, that maybe even should have gone higher into the nine. So just I'm not awesome even sure. If I, Dan, did I say my number? I'm not even sure. It was 8.5 if I didn't say it. <laughs> 8.5 for Nick. So pretty close for us on that one from what we saw in the film. All right, Nick, anything else from the game film that you want to point out before we uh, before we call it? Let's replicate that. Only it's going to have to be a much different game plan against the Kansas City Chiefs because you're really going to have to uh, – Really going to have to take away the deep pass. Probably play a lot of too high like the Bills and the Ravens did against the Chiefs, which they had success doing. And if there was ever a time to pull an upset against the Chiefs, it would be right now because they seem to be sputtering a little bit. But this is the Kansas City Chiefs, man. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. It, it, it's it's going to tell a lot about the New York Giants, how they play. And I just hope it's a competitive game out in prime time, man. Because you know the Chiefs, they've been on the road two straight weeks, Dan. They've been on the road two straight weeks. They want to get right. They know that they just put a crap product out there. They want to get right in front of a national audience. Yeah, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites in this one, and I feel like my early lean is the Giants are going to cover this. I think it's going to be a lot like that Tampa game with the Giants in Tampa last year. I hope I'm right. I hope I'm not you know, hopelessly optimistic here. I just feel like the Chiefs aren't playing good football right now. Steve Spags is not coaching a good defense right now, and they're injured as well on that defense. And so I think the Giants should be able to generate a little bit more offense people are expecting in this one. Um, and just do a little bit better on defense than people are expecting. I don't think they're going to win this game, if I had to guess, but I think it'll be close um, for the Giants. We'll see what happens. Anyway, to everybody tuning into the Big Blue Banter, thank you so much for your co constant support. Thank you for all those who left a rating review on iTunes. For those of, us who follow, those of you who follow us on Instagram at NYBigBlueBanter, on YouTube, 
type in Big Blue Band, you'll find us there. We're putting out content there. Thank you to everyone who supports us. I know it's free, but it still relies on your support. And we're really thankful for the, from the, for the support that we get from you guys. So thank you so much. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.